So thanks for t- making some time today. Sure, of course. Happy yeah. to be here. So a lot's going on in the world. This is a history-making moment. We all can see it unfolding. How do we move from this moment into action, in your view? I think it depends um, on who you are, what what you want to see happen. Um, you know, we all want to see change happen, but what does change mean? Um, for me, I would like to see more people do more. It's great to say all these wonderful things and um, show concern and empathy for people, but what are you going to do after this is over? Um, And I think that it's important for people to think about that. You know, if you are a person, if you're a black person, what are you going to do going forward to make sure that you're involved in your community so that Um, you're aware of future policies or future decisions, you know, that are made that impact communities of color. Um, If you are, you know, of color, the same, you know, um, being involved in your community is so important. If you can vote, exercising that right to vote, um, making sure that you have a say in who is making decisions about your communities that you live in. Um, Also, there are a lot of well-intended Caucasian people right now. They feel sorry and sad. Um, But again, what will you do? And I think it takes more than reading a few books about racism. it's being also involved civically and how people that represent your local government, your state government, and that, and represent us nationally, what decisions will they make when um, there are tough choices on the line? And I think that everyone plays a role in who represents us um, in our government. And I think that we all are responsible for who's in those roles. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now, um, we are facing an election year. We're coming up on a big election and it's very important for people to consider what's happening right now in this moment in time. Do we want it to continue the way it is or do we want change? And if we want change, then um, it's necessary for all of us to exercise our right to vote, to um, be, and not only vote, but hold people accountable for the decisions they make, for the actions they take or lack thereof. So you and I, through End the Source Weekly, largely at, at the encouragement of ideas that you had developed the Love Your Neighbor Project Mm -hmm. and launched it Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, to a lot of success. And we had a lot of plans to continue that before COVID hit. Um, So for those readers who haven't had a chance to learn about the Love Your Neighbor Project, let's hear what, what what your description of it is. Okay. Um, Just like the title says, love your neighbor, no matter who your neighbor is. 
Um, for me, this was so important because I think people of color easily get lost in this community um, where they are a minority more so than any other, you know, in other places around the country. And um, it's important for us to be seen. It's important for people to know that we are parents, we are employees of various organizations, or we're entrepreneurs and we own our own businesses. Uh, we are just living here and trying to exist peacefully the same way everyone else is. Um, and I also felt it was important because um, many times national speakers are brought to town to address issues that are happening right here. And people that live here aren't being called on to address the issues that impact them the most. And sometimes those national speakers can cause confusion or create situations of frustration among the majority of our community. And they leave and they go back to wherever they live. Um, and we, as the people of color that live here, are left to deal with that anger or negative feelings. So I think that um, I wanted to do Love Your Neighbor to show the amount of people of color that live here and that there are people of color um, that live and work here that can have these roles to speak on issues that impact us in these communities. Um, being in higher education, I'm often called on to speak or to give a thought or give an opinion. Uh, however, there's more than me and I'm not the voice for all people of color and bend. So um, I think that it's important to showcase that there are other people that can serve on your board. There are other people that can um, speak to your organization or write a statement for you. Um, they are of color and they have this experience that they've lived and they can speak to it better than someone that doesn't live in this community. So what was some of the feedback that you got from the, from the first forum, which we held in February? Yes, um, it was great. I was shocked. Uh, I was so shocked by the number of people <laughs> that showed up um, that were interested. And I was shocked by the love we felt in the room. Um, as an organizer of the event, you know, you and I, we didn't know what to expect. And I was concerned for the safety of the panel. And we had a strong police presence there simply because we didn't know um, the types of questions that we would get. We didn't know who would show up, um, but we were met with nothing but positive um, questions. People were genuinely interested in us and in our lives. People also wanted to share their experiences as people of color and bend or spouses of people of color or raising children of color. So um, I think that that was amazing. It was awesome. And to know now that people have been looking for us during this, um, not only uh, while the pandemic has been going on, but in response to George Floyd's murder, you know, what's happening with Love Your Neighbor. And so I think that that speaks a lot to the impact that we had on the community and that we need to get going again. Yeah, we were just getting started and unfortunately we had to cancel our May event. Right. Um, so I know there was some feedback around 
some concern that it was a performance for white people by people of color in the community. Mm-hmm. So what what's your reaction to that? Um, it saddens me, honestly, that people of color just can't support other people of color. I may not do what I do the same way someone else would, but it doesn't make it wrong and it doesn't make it a performance. I have never approached this work as um, an activist. I'm an educator. I educate people on uh, various topics and I think that it's important for everyone that claims to be an activist or working in diversity, equity, and inclusion work, they need to understand that we are all needed. If only one person was needed to make change, change would have been made already and we still wouldn't be fighting this fight. However, it takes more than one person and it takes many different approaches to get the job done. There is so much work to do and if people would focus on the work and not focus on each other, we can make some real progress or focus on working together. What is it about my approach that offends you? And if it's offend or makes you feel like I'm performing and why not talk to me? Yeah. So you just talked about there's so much work to do um, and it's got me thinking about the specific actions that go beyond protest and which is happening a lot and is uh, is one arm of social change. Mm-hmm. Um, what what systems specifically in Central Oregon do you see as needing to have a retool or have a look at the ways that those systems may not be serving people of color? I will. Mm, I can say that. Um, Right now, those systems, and when we think about like city government, you know, um, elected officials, local, like the police department, the sheriff's department, other entities, listen, listen to people of color, hear what we're saying. And if you can go about your work week or month, or go through a strategic planning session and never hear from a person of color, then you're really missing the mark. Um, Because there are people of color in this community, there are people of color that are qualified to sit at the table and have this dialogue, invite them to the table, Um, hear the concerns of people that live in this community and how policies impact their lives um, and, and learn from them and make change based on what you hear, not based on what you think. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of the police, obviously there's a lot of attention being put toward all the police departments and ideally sheriff's departments, you know, nationwide right now. Specifically, there's been a few things in Bend, in Bend PD and this, I would say, extending to Deschutes County sheriffs that are not in place or aren't fully in place. Um, I'm just curious about your personal opinion about, you know, the use of, or the Ben PD pursuing funding for body cams. Mm, I think that is imperative, especially right now. 
I know the fear that I have driving around town. Um, not that I'm doing anything wrong, that I should be afraid of the police, but um, just fear as a woman of color, if I am pulled over, I won't have time to say, hey, wait, I'm, I'm a professor at OSU Cascades. Um, they will just see me and see my brown skin and braids in my hair and will an automatic judgment be made as, a, as automatic judgments have been made about other people around the country. Um, so I know that I would feel safer if uh, police officers were wearing body cameras, especially um, when we see many different accounts on the news with other um, states where people are encouraged to turn off their own cameras. Um, when they're encountering the police. So um, I think that it protects the officer and it protects the person mm -hmm. um, if they are wearing body cameras. I think that is very, very important and should be a top priority. What about de-escalation trainings and use of force trainings? Have you had any experience locally about, or you know, been privy to any information around that? that I have not. Um, however, I think that we've seen enough situations to know that people of color are often met with force <clears throat> when um, other people are not. And um, I think that if you look at the statistics of the number of black men that are treated violently, by police, either physically assaulted, shot, or killed, um, versus white men that commit heinous crimes and are able to be taken in alive. And before they can even be caught, their mental illnesses are being described on the news. Uh, people of color aren't afforded the same opportunity. And that is how systemic racism occurs that is how privilege presents itself in systems. Um, the majority of people are given the benefit of the doubt. Um, they have to be going through something to make them behave this way. But people of color are often assumed just to be bad and, and criminals. So I think that um, more training is needed um, to help break down those barriers and break down those biases that exist. Um, and people can say that they don't have them, but we all have unconscious bias. And how it shows itself and manifests itself is when you interact with uh, people that are not like you. So you teach business at mm -hmm. OSU Cascades. Yes. Um, I was curious about how this moment and this this time in history enters the business classroom and does it hmm most definitely um for me i teach ethics and corporate social responsibility and um so these types of situations show the ethical behavior within organizations the most recent thing that I've heard about is where the two police officers were suspended in Buffalo, New York for pushing down the 75-year-old man and um, 57 other officers um, resigned in support of the two that were suspended. And I think that 
all 59 of them should be terminated. Because to say that 50 plus officers are gonna support two that we saw push down an elderly man and left him bleeding from his head on the sidewalk and you wanna support that. Um, it shows the problem within the system. So um, the ethical makeup of the organization is certainly something that I, I could speak to in the classroom. I do know that when, these, uh, when the George Floyd murder happened, I had to tell my students, this is going on and I'm impacted by this. So I'm sorry if I don't seem like myself today. Um, and it was a rough week to get, to get through in terms of having classes. But I also don't, I think that people don't understand that when people of color deal with these types of situations, we're still, we still have to show up for work. We still have to be professional. We, we still deal with microaggressions from our colleagues. We, um, and we're expected to have the same smile on our face at every encounter. And it's hard. The emotional impact of these events on people of color is not considered in most circumstances. I'm fortunate that my colleagues have been super supportive, but not everyone can say the same thing. And I think that um, more people need to think about that, that when something like this happens on a national scale, um, it impacts all of us in a very different way. So are you saying like maybe in the workplace, checking in with an employee? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Check in on your employees. Um, you know, <laughs> I saw many posts on social media, like check on your friends of color. They're not okay. And that's true. You know, even if it's just, how are you? A text, you know, how are you? Um, is there anything I can do? Do you need to talk? You know, and maybe they don't. Maybe they won't want to. But just knowing that you've reached out um, may mean more to them than you realize. Yeah. Just thinking about business in general, um, and we talked about checking in with employees, but what in terms of local businesses, I know some businesses have boarded up downtown in Bend in, you know, I guess preparation that they think that the, the protests in Bend could get violent. Mm -hmm. What is, in per, your perspective, what is the, the call for local businesses right now during a time like this? I can see both sides, honestly. Um, I, I, A, those that are chains of larger businesses, maybe getting instructions from their corporate office to board up because of what's happening in New York City, right? Um, but I also think that, you know, they want to protect their assets. They want to protect what they've worked hard to build, and I understand that. However, um, if you look at the census data, you know, the majority of Bend is not of color. So, um, and a lot of these protesters have not been of color. Um, to think that they're going to turn violent, um, again, you know, I can't fault them. However, to be in a public setting, like on the news or in the paper saying, you know, I want to protect what's mine and I'm going to sleep in my store all night long just in case, um, that can have an impact too on um, 
two shops at your store mm-hmm. after all this is over. Yeah. So um, I can understand wanting to protect and even taking the action to protect, but saying, you know, saying things like that, um, I don't know. I would just give thought to how that might impact my business going forward. Yeah. The first time I saw you speak, you were speaking at a church and speaking about some, you know, some things that had happened to you and... Um, and yeah, I know you're speaking this week again, tomorrow mm-hmm. at a church, again, same church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just was curious about your thoughts about the role of the faith community in anti-racism work at right. this moment or any time. Yeah. Um, you know, since slavery, the church has played an instrumental role in um, supporting people of color. Um, Many slaves that were running from the South to the North took refuge in churches to spend the night and they were cared for by pastors or clergy people. And I think that it is um, important for churches to offer care and support um, to anyone that needs it. Um, And I think that for churches to tackle something like anti-racism it shows their courage and their bravery especially in a place like bend where they may not have to they may not have one single church member that's of color um but it's important to still talk about what's happening and you know faith at least for me my faith is about showing love to your neighbor and um every body of christ should want to do that. Every church should want to do that. Um, regardless of who your neighbor is, is to show love to your neighbor and think about, you know, from a spiritual perspective, how should I handle this situation? You know, and if something makes you uncomfortable, um, examine why it makes you uncomfortable and do the work yourself to understand what, what that's about. So before we wrap up that, what you just said got me thinking about, you said there may not be a a member of the congregation that's a person of color. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy for people, especially in a place that's now, according to the new census data, 92% um, all white, um, but slowly growing in population. However, um, but it's easy for people to say, hey, there's, I don't have a person of color in my workplace. Mm-hmm. I don't have one in my class. I don't have one in my street. Mm-hmm. And what does that do when someone thinks like that? First, I want to say that um, you never know who someone is just because visibly you can't tell. Um, there are many mixed race people that live in Bend Mm -hmm. and you don't know how they identify or what race they identify with. Um, So I think it's always best to lead with a culture of care and concern. All of us, this entire world watched a police officer hold his knee on the neck of another human being for eight minutes and 46 seconds until he died. That is traumatic for anyone that sees it. And 
I think that it's responsible. It's, it's only the right thing to do for a workplace to show care and concern for their employees after seeing something like that. Um, the same for a church and their parishioners, the same or their congregation, the same for friends, the same for parents of children. You check in mm -hmm. and make sure that people are okay, you know, and that um, if support is needed, then it's provided. Yeah. And they know what resources are available for them if they need them. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? One thing we haven't talked about is what it's like to be the mother of a black son in a place like Bend. Um, I'm so thankful that he hasn't been in school throughout um, this, the George Floyd murder and the backlash um, and the protests so that he doesn't have to explain to his friends what it's like to be black while all of this is happening. Uh, he's only 14 and he shouldn't have to explain, you know, and I just want to ask people to remember that if you know someone of color, just understand that they are unpacking this the same way you're un unpacking it. None of us have all the answers. None of us can tell you what to do. None of us can make you feel better um, about what happened or your feelings around what happened. However, what we can do is try to come together as a community and say that that type of behavior from our police officers, our sheriff's department is unacceptable and it won't be tolerated in this community. And, I, and while I am so fortunate to live here and to be able to raise my children here, I want to do all I can to make sure that this community remains a great place for everyone to live. I want it to be a place where everyone is comfortable to live. And one day there will be more people of color that live here. So I wanna do my part and making sure that we build an inclusive culture so that those people do feel welcome when they come. Awesome. Thank you, Erica. Mm -hmm.